What's happening, guys? Thanks for being here. This is Zach Kosturos, another episode of The Zach Kosturos Show. So last week, uh, I took a week off, and I'm sorry I didn't say anything about that, but, you know, we uh, had to catch a flight, flew out to Florida, and just didn't really have the time or spend the time, I guess, to, uh, to let you all know that I was taking a week off. So sorry about that. But I'm back today, and yes, we, the family and I, we went to Florida, and it's like another world there. It's like another country. I guess in some ways, and it was nice. Maybe not as as free, air quotes, if you're listening to this <laughs> and not seeing the video, but not as free as maybe some people make it out to sound. People in Florida, at least in the places we were, we spent about four days in the Orlando area and then another four days or so in the Palm, not Palm, in the Clearwater Beach area. And in both of those places, actually, most people inside did wear masks and they were respectful of each other and and they abided by the rules that they have out there in Florida, down there. And yet, you know, we didn't see people walking around outside by themselves wearing masks and people were on the beach. And, and so it was nice because it felt a little bit like real life, normal life again. And, and it was really needed. And, and obviously we got some sun and that's always probably my favorite part aside from from being with my family because if you have spent any time learning about health and and some of the the things that have been coming out I think especially more recently in the last several years is is that sunshine is is paramount in terms of long-term health and and just everything and, and as it relates to the current situation that we find ourselves in with related related to the pandemic the vitamin D levels are are pretty important they say, and unfortunately up here in Washington, we don't see UVB rays for several months. And so our vitamin D production is basically non-existent in the winter and late fall and early spring. So all that to be said is we had a great time. We had a lot of, a lot of fun in the sun, got rejuvenated, and it really was needed because I think that if you're, if you're from one of these more lockdown states, one of these more lockdown areas, and you haven't gone outside, which we hadn't done. I mean, we had pretty much been here in Washington since the lockdown started and hadn't left Washington. And I don't think we realize how much just that whole situation weighed on us until we were able to get out, go enjoy the sun, go enjoy some level of normalcy again, and just be with each other and, and have a great time. And so if you haven't done it, and you have the ability to do it, I would highly recommend it. I know that certainly not everybody has that ability and, and I'm sensitive to that. But if you do have the ability to do it and you can deal with whatever risk factors you might underwrite in the travel and you feel like the risk is worth the reward, I can assure you in my situation, it was more than worth the reward. And so we had a great time and, and I'm back and I'm recording this episode and wasn't really exactly sure what to talk about today. I've actually got my oldest daughter here with me. She's behind the screen and you can't see her, but I can. And so it's kind of fun doing this with her here, getting getting her a little exposure to how this works. I know she sees the videos on YouTube, but but this is the first time really seeing behind the scenes at what we do and, and how it all works. And so that's kind of fun. But in terms of what I want to talk about, it, it was hard because I checked out so far. I didn't I didn't watch many YouTube videos. I, I kind of unplugged from from the news and some of the things that were going on and just tried to really take some time to step back and say, what what is it that I really want to be doing here? And, and what is the purpose of all this? And 
And what's a long-term picture? Because I think that you can really get sucked into the news cycle and the politics and, and all the different things that are flying around right now, because I think that as a country, we're in this place where there's some real unknowns and, and we're in so many ways, we're in uncharted waters, right? And we don't necessarily know what's around the bend. We don't know what the future looks like. And, and with humans, when there's ambiguity and when there's uncertainty, a lot of times we will allow that to make us afraid. And we will choose in times of uncertainty and ambiguity, ambiguity, excuse me, we will choose to be afraid and, and to worry and to be anxious. And my Bible, when I read it, says don't be any of those things. And so I think it takes a lot of faith. I think it takes a lot of discipline. And I think it takes a lot of trust to not be those things in times like these. And so when I stepped back and said, what can I even produce here that is a value? And, and I think that doesn't just constantly call out all the problems, but that hopefully helps to provide some solutions or some resources or some skills that other people who might watch this would have a reason to continue to watch. And, and in the videos I've done and the podcast episode I, episodes I've done, I think the best feedback that I've gotten have, have really been times that I shared things that were practical and applicable. And so I want to do more of that. I, I really want to, to be educational here more so than just kind of talking about what's happening right now. And, and, and that will be a part of it. Cause like I said, when I first started this and it's still true today, I, I still believe that there are these pillars in life and, and that we have to build our lives sort of with these pillars. Uh, and, and I think about it, I'll say it again. It's like my faith and our faith and why we believe what we believe. That's like the foundation. And if the foundation is shaky or it's built on not solid ground or or it's not square or whatever, if, if there's problems with the foundation, then when we start building the walls, we start running into problems. And, and I don't think anything else in life takes the place of faith as the foundation. Now, now we can certainly try and make that happen, right? Like we can put money and try and make that the foundation, or we can try and make relationships the foundation, or we can try and make work the foundation. And, and when we start trying to build the house of our life, the walls on that foundation, it starts to crumble really fast when it's not faith. Because if we don't know why we believe what we believe, and if we don't feel confident in why we believe what we believe, then when we start building on that foundation, whatever that other thing might be, bad things will happen. And so, so again, it's like, I believe that, the, that our faith is that foundation. And then the walls, right? The four walls of that house, let's say, are relationships because we're humans and we're relational. And as we've seen during these lockdowns, people are literally going nuts. People are committing suicide. They're depressed. They're having, experiencing all these problems because, oh, because we're people and we're supposed to be around each other and we're supposed to be communal and we're supposed to be living together. And it's, it hasn't been happening, at least not like we need it to be. And so relationships, that's one of the four walls. And then our health is one of the four walls. And then our money and our work are the other two. At least that's how I see it. And, and so all these other things might be the roof, right? All, all the subsets of, of those might be the roof that goes over the walls and, and keeps us dry and keeps us sheltered. But the roof isn't very strong if the walls and the foundation 
aren't solid. And so when I look at what can I share, I, I still want to talk about things like health and I still want to talk about things like, like, like faith and business and money. I can't just talk about one of those things because I think life's too holistic and, and they're all, they're all required. I think to live a, a prosperous, productive, successful life. And yet, obviously, for all of us, there are certain things that we that we gravitate towards that we we're better at that we know better. And for me, you know, in my life, in my working world, I think I've spent most of my time learning how to invest and learning about business and and learning about selling and all these different things. And and I think that one of the things I'm I'm really passionate about, and one of the things that's really bothering me about the narrative right now and about what we're seeing and about what we're being told is. And this is one of the things that I spent some time really thinking about as I was gone these last seven, eight, nine days is we are seeing this consolidation of power and of wealth and of resource like like we probably never had before in human history, at least not on a fully global scale. And you can call it the Great Reset. You can call it whatever. The reality is, is it is a great reset, whether it's the conspiratorial kind of great reset that people talk about or it's just the byproduct of the policy decisions that are taking place. The reality is the outcome is a great reset. And the reason, like, think about this. We have had more wealth transferred from the middle class to the ultra elite class in the last 12 months, 10 months, than probably in all of our lifetimes. We, we, you got stimulus checks, right? And you went and you spent, most people spent whatever of the stimulus check they spent, a lot of people spend it on stuff. And a lot of that stuff came from Amazon or, or Walmart or one of these other big, huge companies that made a few, a handful of people even more powerful and wealthier than they already were to the point where, where the billionaires in the world have seen their net worth increase. I think the last statistic I, I saw said 40% in less than a year, whereas the middle class, and even the, the, again, air quotes here, if you're not watching the video, but, but even the quote wealthy people in your town have not seen their, their net worth or their wealth increase, if at all, at anywhere near the same rate. And, and so we're, we're seeing this happen. And I think it's heartbreaking because the reality is, is I think one of the reasons that capitalism especially in America, especially where we are today, is, is getting such a bad rap. And, and the purpose of actually this video, which it took me 11 minutes to get to this point, but, but I think the purpose for me of this video is to say that I'm not going to claim that this is what capitalism is right now because I, I don't necessarily think that it is. I think that it is for a lot of people, and I think it isn't for a lot of people. But I think that as I move forward and as I think about, I don't have any control like even in my business, right? I'm in the commercial real estate business and the apartment business. And in, in my state, in the state of Washington, there are bills being contemplated, debated, and hopefully not adopted, but in all likelihood, probably to some degree will be adopted in my state. That really can, I mean, I'm not gonna say they'll put me out of business, but, but they're gonna make business a lot harder, not just for me, but for the people that I serve and not just on the ownership side, but also on the, on the tenant side. And that's the fact. The facts are 
there are politicians in all these areas making decisions that they think are the right decisions, just not listening to people who actually do this stuff for a living because it doesn't fit the narrative. And, and the reality is what will happen, just like with lockdowns, is there will be a lot of innocent people who go under or, or who get really, really harmed. Because maybe in a lot of areas, in a lot of ways, good intentions had un unintended consequences. But, the, but the, the thing is, if they would just listen to us, we can tell them what those consequences are so that they're not unintended. And then when we tell them and they don't listen, then really they are intended. And my point in sharing that is, as I think about the future of my business, of my industry, here's what I know. People will always need homes and they've made it so hard to build single family homes that they're always going to need more apartments. I know that. I know that in the state of Washington, they've made it so virtually impossible to build condos like condominiums where you can own a home but not have it be a detached home from another home. They make it so hard to do that, that we underproduce single family homes for people to purchase at such a rate that that's the very thing in so many cases that forces us to have to rent apartments to people who otherwise would have been able to buy a condo, but in this instance can't. And so I know that people will always need housing and someone will always provide that housing. It, the commercial real estate world, on the other hand, is, is obviously changing. It's changing fast and it's going to change for at least the midterm in my mind. And, and, and in some ways it will change forever. But, but when I look at, okay, what, maybe you're not in commercial real estate, but maybe you're in the restaurant business, or maybe you're in, you know, the, the mom and pop retail shop, the brick and mortar, and, and you're sitting there like I am, maybe, maybe you're even further along down that road of extinction than, than maybe I am. And you're like, what the heck do I do? Where do I go? How do I find my way in terms of making a living? And, and I want to be my own boss. I want to have my own business. What can I do? And I, I want you and me to think about what I'm about to say, because I, I really truly believe that where capitalism can go and where capitalism really thrives when it's at its greatest, I think the question is, who can we serve? And, and can we find areas that, are, that we can be passionate about? And I don't mean like do your passion kind of thing. I mean like, can you find things and areas that you feel like are important to you or that you could get behind or that you could get excited about where you could serve a lot of people. Because if you think about it, while I was talking earlier about those people who have gotten way richer in the last year, what do they have in common? Well, they all serve a lot of people, like hundreds of millions or billions of people. And I understand that not all of us can do that and certainly not all of us would wanna do that. But the reality is, is I think that so often, especially in times like these where there's a little desperation going on, I think that what can happen is we're, we start to think about like, how can I just protect my financial future? How can I make sure that I can keep paying my bills and putting food on the table and doing the things that I wanna do, yada, yada, yada. And I think what we lose in those situations and what we lose in those times is sort of, being able to step back and say, no, how can I find something where I can serve a lot of people and where I can do it in a way that's profitable or that I can make a living? And because think about it, like if, if you're an employee, maybe you don't own your own business. Well, the first person that you serve is your employer. 
right? And if you serve your employer well, and your employer has a business model that serves people well, then you have a job and that job will continue and it will hopefully grow and hopefully your earnings will grow with it. On the flip side, if you're the business owner, you're serving the, cl the client, you're serving the customer. And so you have to figure out what is the business model that serves those people well. And then over time, how do I get better at serving them better and better and better? And if you think about Amazon as an example, and, and so many Netflix, Amazon, all these places, well, what have they done? They found a way to serve people. And then in, at least in my mind, there, there's two main things like Amazon that they do so well that other businesses throughout history couldn't do, maybe partly because of technology, maybe partly because of, you know, being stuck in their ways of doing things. But the, but the two things in my mind are convenience, right? And selection. Like you can go on Amazon and you can find 5,000 bazillion times more things to buy than you could going into any local store. So the selection is just off the charts. And then convenience, you don't, like I hate going to the store. You don't even have to leave. You can do it anywhere. You can find what you need, you can buy it. And then I would say probably bolt on the third thing is they've built trust into the system. You know if the product you're buying is any good because there's probably hundreds or thousands of people who have reviewed that product who give you trust in whether it's good or not. Whereas if you walk into your local store, it might look good, but there's this question in the back of your mind now because Amazon has taken ambiguity out of the picture in so many ways. Your local stores have not been able to do that. And so, so there's this trust factor that's not there like Amazon has put into the system. And so when I look at moving forward, right? It's if you're not going to be in a business for yourself, who from an employer standpoint can you serve really well? And I think if, if, if you think that way, if we think that way, I think that we can make some great strides. And I think businesses serve people best and capitalism works best when it's, and I've said this before, but when it's not about the entrepreneur, it's not a selfish endeavor, but it's about the customer or the client. It's about, it's about service and serving people. And if you think about like my Christian faith, that's what Jesus told us to do. And and I think that what we see so often is, is money and power corrupt. They just do. It's just a fact. And, and I keep looking at the political landscape and I, I look at all these decisions being made and I look at people just sort of buying into them and they're saying, yes, we need the government, more government, more regulation, solve all the problems. And I'm just sitting there going, you know, it just doesn't make any sense to me because like, think about the DMV as an example. It's totally centralized power of an industry, licensing. And it's centralized in the government who basically reports to no one. And I don't know who anybody who's ever gone to the DMV and thought like, that was the most amazing experience. I want everything that I buy and everywhere I buy from to work just like that. Well, yeah, because the DMV sucks. And why does the DMV suck? Well, because they don't have any competition. They have a monopoly. They have, you have no other choices. It's like when you call Comcast on the phone and you don't have any other real cable choices where you live. Comcast just does not have to provide the same level of service that they would if they had 15 other competitors who had just as good of a product willing to take them out, willing to offer a lower price, a better service, right? And, and so we know that in, when it comes to buying stuff, when we don't have a lot of choices, the experience gets worse and worse and worse. And yet, 
we want, it seems, so many people in this country, they want more of those experiences. They say, hey, let's just keep taking the choice out of this deal. Let's give more power to the government. Let's have the government take over more stuff. And yet when we go out to buy things, we fight against that very thing. And we do it because we know. Listen, like, not having choices is a bad thing. And so I don't look at moving forward in terms of how do we get the government to save us? Because I don't think the government is any good at saving us. I don't think they ever have been. I don't think they ever will be. And I think that's because governments are run by people and people inherently all have the same problems. <laughs> they do, we all do. You give too much power, too much money to most people, not all, but most, and most of us will screw it up. We will take advantage of other people. We will hurt people. Maybe not on purpose, but ultimately we are selfish. That's what we are. And so why are we acting surprised when selfish people do selfish things? Well, well, we shouldn't be. I think my whole point in all of this is for those of us who are willing to be humble enough to recognize that that is inherently what is inside of us. I think that we can come together and say, hey, listen, I don't know. And, and going back to where I started with all this, I don't know what's going to happen in my industry. I don't. I don't know what's going to happen in my business. I don't know what's going to happen in the state that I live. But what I do know is that aside from like total totalitarianism, people can always thrive and succeed when they're willing to serve a lot of people or, or any people, right? You don't necessarily have to serve a lot of people if people are willing to pay enough money for the thing that you're providing, right? But but if you look at these countries who have political systems that maybe are, are not as advantageous as ours, or maybe are a little scarier than even ours, there are still people in those places that are doing well. There are people in those places who are still providing a good product or a good service, and they're being rewarded for it. And there might be more strings attached, and I, I hope and pray that that's not where we end up in this country. But when I read my Bible, I would say that I think that it's pretty much going to happen. And when you look at the, the, the writing on the wall that's taking place now, I would say that that's the path we're on. And, and so I would say, okay, well, well, if that's the case, what do we do? Well, for, for me, I think that it comes down to literally sitting down and writing down with a pad and paper. I'm old school that way. Maybe if you're new, new school, it's not with a pad and paper. Maybe it's your iPad or something. But, but stepping back and just saying, what are the ways that I can serve people? How do I like to serve people? What kind of people do I like to serve? What do I like to do? What problems can I help solve? Who can I help to educate? Does that education provide value in their lives? Because here's the crazy thing, like because we live in 2021 and we have access to the internet, we can literally reach people all around the world and we could never do that before. So, so you might like knitting and somebody, one person might say knitting what value is that? What service is that? And somebody else might say, man, knitting, it's amazing. I can make awesome clothes for my grandkids or it, it brings peace or calm or whatever it might be. It doesn't matter because guess what? There's probably like 50,000, 100,000, a million, 10 million people throughout the entire world that love knitting, that wanna learn how to knit. And so if you, can, if you like knitting, and, and you can reach those people and you can do it in a way that's focused on service, not so, and when I say service, I mean 
service to others, not self-service, you have a legitimate chance to have a business and to continue to have a great life. And, and maybe you don't want to run the business, but guess what? Maybe you like knitting. Well, go find somebody who wants to have the business, who maybe also loves knitting, who is doing that thing I just explained and see how you can serve that person to help them fulfill the vision that they have for knitting. And, and, and that's in my business in real estate. That's how I'm looking at it. I'm saying, you know, I, here's what I know. And, and this is the thing that really drives me completely insane about this whole quote, affordable housing conversation is I go, listen, folks, this is to people who are in elected positions or, or even people who are, are just part of these conversations on a, a local community level. I say, listen, for those of us who work in the apartment world, we are in the, the service business. Now, now you might not believe me based on the rhetoric you've heard or maybe experiences you've had with, with maybe bad developers, I'll call it that. But there are people, lots of them, I'd say more than not, who, out, who are out there and they actually wanna provide a really good product and service for people looking to be housed. That's most landlords that I know. Most landlords that I've dealt with are actually good people. They're trying to provide a good product, which is the, the housing unit and service which is the experience while in the housing unit. That's what most of us try and do, because if we don't, then we're not very successful long-term. Okay, well, where's the biggest opportunity that literally has ever existed in the history of housing right now? Where does it, where does it lie? It lies in whoever can figure out how to deliver housing that's affordable. Who, like, if you were an entrepreneur, I mean, people are all excited about Tesla because, hey, we're making this energy, this green car, and we're doing something that's never been done before. And we're going to revolutionize the auto industry. And Tesla now has Elon Musk as the richest man in the world, depending on the day that, you know, that you look on the stock market in terms of market cap and, and his shares and, and how much he's worth. You know what a bigger opportunity than auto is? Legitimately, is who can provide, who can do that in housing? Who can take technology, and I know there's people trying to do it, 3D printers and all these things, but, but housing is very challenging because it doesn't get built primarily, historically, in an assembly line. And you don't just like pick the Model 3 or whatever and just pump out a million of them next year, traditionally. But the reality is, is somebody out there, if they figure out how to deliver housing that's affordable to the masses, will literally like probably make Jeff Bezos and Elon Musk look like little kids in terms of wealth. Now, I don't, I don't know that that's ever going to happen, but my point is, is that there's all these people who think that all these housing developers are these greedy, dirty, crazy, mean people, and, and they are totally wrong. <laughs> They're blaming people like us, like me, on the fact that there's no affordable housing when it's their own policies in their own regulatory environment and, and, and the amount of time it takes and effort and consultants and all this stuff to even get a permit, that's what makes housing, that's part of what makes housing unaffordable, period. We are entrepreneurs. We are in the business of creating a product and a service that people want literally at the cheapest price we can because if we don't, someone else will and they will beat us. That's how capitalism works, okay? Well, we also know that there's the biggest market in the history of the housing market ever right now, which is affordable housing. You know why nobody's developing it? Because it's impossible. 
given the current regulatory parameters, given the current land use policy that exists. And then on top of that, the lack of education for the trades and the lack of our institutions, our, our institutions of education pushing trade schools, the solution to that problem, it does not exist. And the affordable housing advocates who have never mostly built any housing, I mean, some of them have, like housing authorities, we work with a housing authority here, they get it. Like they sit at the same table as me in the private sector and they say the same thing to the public employees and the public elected officials, like stop putting up barriers because it's making it worse and they don't listen to them either. But, but the reality is, is at some point, I think we'll hit rock bottom. At some point it will get bad enough. You're starting to see the movement, at least from a land use policy standpoint, where people will say, well, we got to make a choice. And maybe these regulations aren't the answer. And maybe we shouldn't keep painting all these people with this broad brush of greedy, you know, dirty, blood-sucking landlord. And maybe we should go find our Elon Musk to help us figure out. And maybe we should actually listen to said Elon Musk in the housing sector. And maybe we can work together to figure out how to solve the affordable housing crisis. And that's like what I've been saying in my previous episodes. It's like, we got to stop trying, we got to stop doing the same thing over and over and over and over again, expecting a different result. doesn't work that way. We've been trying land use regulation and, and it keeps getting worse. And guess what? So is the problem. We've been trying rent control. You look at the areas with rent control, most of unaffordable housing in the country. Uh, we've tried tenant protections, quote, that's what they call them now, tenant protections. Look at the places with the most tenant protections. Guess what? Highest housing costs in the world because they don't work. What we, what we need to be doing instead, we need to be incentivizing. We need to be incentivizing innovation. And listen, there's a great opportunity for those folks who are all about green energy and global warming and climate change. Well, you come where I live and, and they're trying to force you to spend more money to go the green route because they're concerned about the environment. At the same time, the other department in the city, in the county, is saying, yeah, but we need affordable housing and it's your fault, greedy developer, that we don't have affordable housing, but we're gonna impl implement this new energy code and it's gonna you know, raise the cost of housing, $8,000, $10,000, $15,000 a unit, but that's your fault, not ours. At some point, we have to get the local jurisdictions to realize, hey, if you wanna push the green stuff, <clears throat> excuse me, go for it, incentivize it. I say that every one of these things I sit on, don't penalize it, incentivize it. If you want them to do that, just like tax credits work on a federal level, well, my goodness, then cut their permit fees over here, which by the way, are already too high. That's a whole nother part of what I just talked about, but, but don't add more cost and then go out and tell your constituents that you're an advocate for affordable housing, but you just voted to adopt something that is the opposite of affordable housing. It's a lie. And we need less lies. And we need more people to think innov innovate innovatively, if that's the word. And so that's a really long-winded way of saying that the way I'm looking at it and, and how I hope you will look at it as we move into an uncertain and ambiguous future is to say, how do we keep our eyes focused on who we can serve? And listen, I got to throw this in at the end because there's probably somebody out there that's going to say it anyway. It's not all about money, okay? 
you might find something where you serve people who can't pay you anything. You might find something where you serve people who won't pay you very much at all. And that's a decision that you and I have to make. And so I, I'm not going to stand here or sit here, I guess I'm sitting, and say that it's all about how much money you'll make or how much money you won't make. Or It's not about that. It's about pairing the gifts and the talents that God has given you as a person with the people that you can serve the best. And if you can figure out a way in the capitalistic system that we work in to do that in a way that honors God and still makes you a great living, go for it. Because only you know, only I know if I'm really doing it to serve myself or to serve others. And I'll be honest, there's been times in my life where I really find myself doing stuff that I don't really like because it's serving me. And, and not necessarily is it intentional that it's serving me. It's just that I didn't always know what I could do that would really serve others. Right? That's like part of maturity. That's part of my life's journey is figuring out what are the gifts and talents that God has given me? And what's the calling he's put on my life to go out and serve other people, to get almost lost in the service of other people instead of just serving myself. And so, again, it's not about how much money you can make. I guess I should say, it's not that it's not about that. It's that that shouldn't be the North Star for you or for me. I think the North Star for us should be how can we utilize what God has given us to serve people best? Maybe not the most amount of people, because I think sometimes we get lost in that, but how can we serve people best with what God has given us? And then great. If, if that ends up putting you in a position where you can go and make a fantastic living and be generous and do all those things, awesome. And if it puts you in a position where money is never going to be a thing that you get because you are serving people best in an area that doesn't reward you financially, guess what? There's lots of other kinds of rewards, and God will bless you for that. And so that's... That's how I'm thinking about this, because I think that we don't know where we're going, and the world is a crazy place right now. And I do want to, that's why I'm doing these, I guess, is there's not that many people listening, you know? I've had a few videos with a decent amount of little views for for just getting out of the gate. But but I've, I've watched a lot of YouTube videos over the years. I've listened to a lot of podcasts. The one thing I know over and over and over and over again is what I hear. It's the same thing as anything in life. Be consistent. Keep doing it. Don't do it because you're looking for something from somebody else. Do it because you love doing it. Doing it. Do it because it's on your heart. Do it because you really feel like you're doing something to serve others. And, and that's how I think about these for me. This is my thing. This is, this is one way. You know, I do this in my work life, in person with people, but, but this is where I feel like I can use the gifts that God has given me to hopefully serve you if you're watching this. Hopefully serve people by educating them, by helping them, just like other people have helped me, to think critically and think different, differently and, and to question things and to challenge things and to, to sift through things. Because listen, I'm telling you, like the only way we get out of the craziness that we're in right now is one, we trust in the, in the plan that God has, and we're okay with that plan, however it turns out. And two, is we use the minds that God has given us to think about things. To not just buy into something because the news channel that you watch said it. 
but to literally critically think, to like seek wisdom and knowledge. And to not just be so focused on the, the problems all the times that we never come up with solutions. But to look at a problem, identify a problem, and spend the majority of our time trying to solve said problem. And I think we can't do that. We cannot do that without almost trying to prove our hypothesis wrong. And if we can't prove it wrong, then it's probably right. So anyway, that's what I got for you this week. I had a great trip last week. Again, I really encourage you, if you have the ability to do it, please do it. You'll come back feeling a lot better. I know I did. And thanks for checking out this week's episode. I look forward to being here next week and doing another one. Don't know what I'm going to talk about yet. I never do, but uh, I do enjoy doing this. If you liked the video, if you found anything helpful, I'd love to hear about it in the comments section below, wherever you're watching or listening. And if you could, if you're watching this on YouTube, hit that thumbs up. If you're uh, willing to do it, take a risk. Share it on your uh, other social media channels, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, whatever. I don't know, all the places that you could share it. And if you're listening to this on a podcast platform, if you wouldn't mind subscribing and leaving me a comment, I'd really appreciate that. And as always, I'd love to engage in a dialogue in the comments section or hit me up via email. Or if you know my phone number, give me a call and uh, I'll see you next time. Thanks a lot.